joy for all of us to be back home in Estes, and we welcome also uh, all of those who are worshiping right now with us over in McKenna, and then to the worldwide family who's uh, coming in uh, either right now in real time or listening later, we welcome you as well. We are all here kneeling under the Lordship of Christ, thankful for His providential care in this day and in this season, and seeking His good for our land, for His world. Um, what a joy also for um, me to be here preaching on uh, an Old Testament topic, when in fact the very one who uh, taught Old Testament to me low many a year ago is right here in our midst, Dr. Oswalt. It's such a joy and it's, a, it's a, just a comfort to have you here. It's a comfort for me to also know that if I get something amiss, there are plenty here who can uh, take care of it, including Dr. Oswald. But uh, thanks to um, Dr. Bill Arnold for helping me with this, uh, as well as uh, thanks to Dr. Lawson Stone. So uh, I stand on a lot of shoulders here, and I stand in, in real dependence uh, upon those uh, who know this Old Testament and love it. This summer uh, I was reading through my Old Testament scripture in August and the reading of the day took, uh, took the family to 1 Samuel. And as many of you, you read scripture, you read it multiple times over the years, and then lo and behold you read it again and something just stops you right there. And you say, no, I need to camp out here. I need to understand what this word is saying. I need to dive down into this. And so I'm thankful to be able to do that and share some of this with you. So we pray now, Lord, establish your purpose, your love, your invitation in this teaching. Help us to see the great miracle of Hannah's love. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. When you come to 1 Samuel, you come to a nation who is falling apart. A nation without leadership. Idolatry is rampant in the land, and the religious leadership is for the most part corrupt. There are the faithful. But oh my, it was not a happy time. All you've got to do is read in Judges 17, 6, or 21, 25. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Surely a formula for disaster for a nation then and a nation now. What do we see here in the account that was so wonderfully read, including the pronunciation of those Hebrew words? Do I hear an amen? <laughs> well done, Grace, well done. First of all, you see a godly family. Godliness is defined as people who worship the Lord. They bow down before Him. They go up to Shiloh to worship. People who pray, people who honor one another, people who take care of one another. And one thing that I think is going to be so important for you to see that Dr. Tennant is going to unfold for us in this season of our uh, seminary life 
And that is the primary family that all of us belong to is nothing less than the family of God. And so while they are a nuclear family, the family of God is our first family, the beloved family of our Lord. Now, Hannah was depressed. Who wouldn't be depressed? If you had another woman continually agitating you and agitating you at the point of your greatest weakness and hurt and longing in all of life, she was overwhelmed with what appeared to her to be a fairly hopeless situation. Was she going to be locked into this for the rest of her days? It really was not looking good. Then, not only does she go up to worship the Lord, but the very spiritual head of the nation has bad discernment, doesn't understand that she's actually honestly, sincerely praying, and falsely rebukes her. I mean, how much more can be laid on this woman? But we never see her striking back in kind. This is a sign of great godliness. What do we see? She prays. She worships. She grounded her life uh, in the midst of a very stressful situation. She grounded her life in the Lord her God, in Yahweh. And without denying the seriousness of the situation, what does she do? She turns to Yahweh for help. And she makes a vow. She says, Lord, if you would just remember your servant and give your servant a child, he'll be a Nazarite. A little over two years ago, I um, went to my home in West Texas and in, the, in the winter, in January, and my mother was ill. My mother, in fact, my elderly mother caught uh, the flu that was going around, and my mother was hospitalized. I was there uh, by myself taking care of her, and, and she called me one evening and said, Steve, could you come up to the hospital? Well, this was my birthday. And so I came up, and, and my mother was there in the bed, and she said, well, I couldn't give you anything for your birthday, but, but I just want to share this with you. She said, when you were born, you were really an ugly baby. <laughs> Now, this was a special mother-son bonding time. You know, I'm in my late 60s at this point, and I, you know, I just laughed. Um, and, uh, you know, what do you do? That's just how it was. But then she went on. She said, your, your legs were seriously deformed. She said, you were, you were premature. Now, I had never heard any of this. And she said, right then, right there, I just lifted you up. I held you up. I said, Lord, if you just help this poor child, I give him to you. He's yours. I got to laughing. I got to thinking of all the hardships I've seen as a local church pastor. <laughs> I got to thinking of, of, of some of the uphill battles. And, I, and I, as I was laughing, I thought, now I know who to blame, Mother. Now I know who to blame. <laughs> We had a great time. Well, how many of us have lifted up kids? And how many of us have lifted up situations, making a vow to the Lord? Lord, it looks impossible without your help. 
We need your help. Well, she prays, the Lord hears her, and then Eli gets right discernment, and Eli blesses her. And she goes forth in peace. She goes forth in shalom. She goes forth in that total well-being that comes when the very presence of God comes into your life. And this came when she had no real evidence that anything was going to turn around, yet it was the presence, the glory of Yahweh that touched her life profoundly at this point. The word says her countenance was sad no longer. As you heard, they went home. Uh, she knew her husband. And a miracle. I mean, this is not a young woman at this point. A miracle. Nine months later, a baby boy is born. Would you not be rejoicing and shouting when our first child was born? Um, I looked at that baby, and I was just filled with awe and wonder. It, it, it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. And I remember taking the child home. The first day we took her home, I went around and made sure all of the locks on the windows were indeed locked tight. I thought, this child is so, so precious, so beautiful. Who knows who will want to rip her off? No doubt an early sign of something neurotic. Nevertheless, <laughs> it was my deep love to cover this child, to love this child, to protect this child. Now, let me tell you, when this baby was born, we see a phenomenon. You see it all through Scripture. It's a phenomenon that can be called the curious reversal of the saints. You can push a saint. You can throw them down. You can speak ill of the saints. You can take them out of places. You can do all sorts of grievous things to the women and the men of God. But he's always there. The curious reversal. He reverses fortunes when it looks like it's impossible. He's the one who grants miracles when there's really nothing else that could be done other than the direct intervention of God. He's the one who surprises. You'll know that. You'll see that. You'll have that happen to you in the midst of crises. That's why we say with St. Augustine, oh, blessed crises. These are the times where we're in total and absolute dependence upon our God. Now, all of this is great and all of this is wonderful, but this is not what stopped me at this passage. All of this is, are things that I could relate to. But what's about to unfold is something I couldn't relate to, not well. She doesn't go up with her husband in the first year back to Shiloh, several days of, of, of journey to get there. She doesn't go up. Rather, what, is, what does she say? She said, you go on up. And she said, let me wean the child. Man, I, I wish I, I, I had a grasp of that Hebrew word weaned and how old it means. Now, in that culture... Uh, our Old Testament prophets tell me that, that a child would be weaned fairly quickly uh, because it's an agrarian culture. They need to, they, they've got to get on with their lives. 
So was this baby one and a half? Was the baby two? Or does the, the weaned maybe allow for a little bit older child? Really, it doesn't matter. After the child is weaned, what does she do? She nurtured, well, she nurtured him first. And then she says, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. Well, that didn't stop me either. I thought, well, maybe it's a symbolic thing. But then I got to think, wait, she's going to do what? She's going to take a little boy and leave him in Shiloh with Eli? I mean, Jessica, this is going to be like, uh, you know, 14 of our families taking a Nazarite vow with their firstborn, and they bring them up here and leave them with us. <laughs> I'm thinking, wait a minute. She takes the little boy to the house of the Lord. She appears before Eli and she declares, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is given to the Lord. And then the word simply makes this comment, She left him there for the Lord. Wow. Now what is this about? What's, what's at the heart of this amazing, amazing gift? Well, I think you've got to go into chapter 2 to really get a hold of it and see the song of praise that she sang. My heart exults. Exult. You're jumping up. You're jumping up. It's like you do at uh, UK basketball games. You know, you're, you're saying go. You know, you're happy. You are literally jumping up with the Lord. It's, it's as if she's saying, I'm strong because of the Lord. He is the one who is allowing this, who has lifted me up. She said, there is no holy one like Yahweh. No one beside you. We sing a song along those lines. This offering of her son was about love, pure and simple, absolute love. Joy helped her, joy in the nature of who God is, that he is the one who comes alongside, that he is the one who hears, that he is the one who writes history. Joy that God intervenes and delivers his children when it seems like, well, there's no intervention here. Joy that Yahweh is completely capable of significantly reversing history. Joy in the actual experience of experiencing the presence of Yahweh. This is love. This is adoration. This is a sense of awe. This is a sense of allowing everything to be subject to this great God. So rather than hold on too tightly and guard and protect the miracle that she was given, she was moved to let go of the miracle. Boy, there's a word here for us. There's a word here. She was given supernatural confidence. Now, confidence is a great gift that God gives to his children. Confidence that he's going to move. Confidence that he's going to work. Confidence that he is working in my history, but far more importantly, in the world's history. And she walked home with praise. 
confident that Eli would take care of that child, but beyond that, far more confident that the Lord himself would guard and shepherd and grow that little boy up. Now, because of the fall and the terrible anxiety that fell on humanity because of the fall, we tend to hold on too tightly, way too tightly, to the gifts, even to the miracles. We hold on too tightly to the positions. Never, never let these words cross your lips. My church. Never let these words cross your lips. My position. The children aren't even mine that the Lord has given me. And the grandchildren, they are all His. The position, the church is His, not mine. I'm a lowly under rower, Paul said. 1 Corinthians 4. I, 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 I'm, I'm a... I'm a a household manager. That's it. It all belongs to him. But we get caught up in disordered affections. And of course, the biblical word for this is what? Speak it out. Disordered affections. Idolatry. Idolatry. This is the great catastrophic mistake of existential atheistic thinking to this day. The the existentialist atheist thinks that you make yourself, that what you own, what you hold, what you provide, uh, what you produce, that's who you are. No, that's what will destroy you and lead you into despair. For us, Our essence of who we are in Christ and being made in the image of God, that's the foundation of who we are, not what we do. For us, essence must always precede existence. I can let go. This is precisely what Hannah knew. Hannah's delight and joy was not primarily in the great gift nor the miracle. All gifts, all miracles are meant to be let go of, to be shared. Her greatest joy came in intimacy with Yahweh. Hannah shows us, just as Abraham did before her when he was willing to offer up his only son, just as Moses did when uh, Moses' mother did when Moses' mother placed him in the Nile. No person can be ultimate in our lives. No created thing can be grasped as ultimate in our lives. And no position gives us final definition whatsoever. We can let go of all of these things to hold on to the Holy One of Israel. Life is not about achieving your own satisfaction. It can't be. Now what happened after she let go? Well, they visited the little boy every year. They went up to see him. Can you imagine? She takes him a little robe. You know, he's got the ephod on. He's learning how to minister before the Lord. What's happening? He's learning how to listen. Hear it. He's learning how to listen, which is the greatest, the most primary capacity and potency the Lord has given all of us. 
the capacity to receive His Word, the capacity to know His presence, to know His love. And the boy, well, Samuel grew up in the presence of God. He learned to worship there. And he learned to listen to the voice of God there. Now, if you flip over real quick to 1 Samuel 3, 19 through 4, 1, you read this amazing account. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Ah, so he grows up. He's not only a priest, he's a prophet. He's a huge transitional uh, figure in salvation history. For the, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Can you imagine this? The fruit of Hannah's offering was that through that offering, the Lord used the boy who became a great man of God to speak the word of God to a scattered nation. He used that boy to establish the Davidic kingship. He used the boy to bring his glory, his presence, and his word into the nation. My heaven. Now, hear the glory of this Old Testament woman named Hannah. We are called to be established and grounded in God's family. All of us in the family of God. That means close, godly friendships. Close, close friendships. That means loving one another, serving one another. That means that we care for this body. Then the Lord blesses our families, His body. And we allow the Holy Spirit to train us to hold nothing tightly, nothing, all things loosely, through faith and confidence in Him. We let go of all of the blessings we receive. And then in the harmony that is given to the body of Christ, we exult in the Lord our God and we bless His name. We are people who worship. That's our primary purpose. We come to bow before the Lord and to declare Him as worthy. We are people of relationship with Him. We hear, we listen, we love, we serve. His hand then is enabled to work everywhere in troubled hearts, in idolatrous nations, and throughout His expansive creation as the Word of God comes to all of Israel. Now, Holy One of Israel, Yahweh, we pray, help us to stand with your servant Hannah, who in the face of the great trial that she endured, turned to you in worship and prayer. We worship you, Lord. We ask that you will send your shalom. We ask that you will give us her love 
to return to you every single blessing bestowed upon us. We ask it in your holy name. Amen.